Welcome to Beyond the Show, the podcast home of all things Cannabis Conference. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of the Cannabis Group at GIE Media. The October issue of Cannabis Business Times is out, as you'll see from Tommy Chong's steely gaze on the cover. We've got the digital edition of the magazine running in the top right corner of CannabisBusinessTimes.com, so make sure you check that out. And are you a subscriber? If not, why not? It's free, and each issue is jam-packed with killer features and industry trend analyses from coast to coast and even international markets. You can subscribe on the website after you've read the Tommy Chong feature. We were pleased as punch to have the honor of presenting the Elder Statesman with a Lifetime Achievement Award out in Las Vegas at Cannabis Conference just a few weeks ago. And you can check out the rest of the Cannabis Leadership Award winners on the website as well. Now on to the podcast. On this episode, we're pleased to present Rob DeFazio, the CEO of CNA Stores in Massachusetts. Rob is a service-disabled veteran and supporter of veteran access to cannabis products, along with his co-founder, Bill Haggard. CNA Stores is committed to benefiting veterans and members of their local community through their various philanthropic programs, including their charity jars, more on that in the interview, and participation in the Pan Mass Challenge. CNA Stores, that's Completely Natural Alternatives, has two locations in Amesbury, Massachusetts, and Haverhill, Massachusetts. Please enjoy my conversation with Rob DeFazio. All right. Hello, Rob, and welcome to the show this week. Very excited to get a chance to talk with you about your business in Massachusetts, about the market out there, and about serving veterans in in the cannabis industry. Um, To begin, I was hoping you might be able to just set the stage for us a bit and maybe tell us a bit about the origin story of CNA stores in Massachusetts. Um, Yeah, that's kind of a funny one. (laughs) (laughs) I I say that because uh, I actually used to be, uh, you know, I'm a Navy veteran. I I was in the nuclear power program for the Navy, got out of that, and right around the Y2K timeframe, got into data centers. Um, So I had a couple businesses in the data center industry uh, up until about 2018 when my son uh, said to me, hey, dad, he's a, he was, a, I think, a junior in college at the time. He said to me, hey, dad, cannabis is legal in, in Massachusetts. Um, you know, do you think um, you, we could get into that like you did it into data centers back back in Y2K? And I'm like, I don't know, buddy. I'll, I'll take a look at it. And did a bunch of research, um, found out that there's a lot of science behind growing the plant from, you know, just the, the plant makeup itself and, and the effects it has on people, but to, you know, growing, uh, um, cultivating the plants and, and the environments that they actually grow in, uh, which is very similar to what I used to do for the data center industry, where we maintain the environments for the servers to actually run and keep running. Whereas these plants, it's the same thing. You talk about temperature, humidity, um, heat removal. Uh, it's all kind of ties right back to my engineering background. So, you know, I, I went from nuclear power to computers to cannabis, um, all because my son said, hey, let's look into it. <laughs> I love it. Um what uh what were some of the um i mean you noted some of the sort of similar themes that carried over from your engineering work uh what were some of the surprising challenges about getting into this space that um either you didn't expect or might be unique to cannabis um the big thing is 
um, the time frames. Mm-hmm. And it's more politics than it is business, um, you know, at the beginning. Once you get your stores open, then it's more about, um, you know, running a business, a retail store, or a cultivation facility. Um, you know, it, it's definitely, um, you know, you, you've got a, you know, towns at the time when we were looking, they, they, they were very new to it. They were still in the zoning process for where they were actually going to allow the stores to open and cultivation sites to open. So some of the cities that we were looking at, we had three or four buildings that we had tentative leases on um, and had secured because we didn't know if those buildings were going to end up in the zone, um, mm-hmm. in the new cannabis zoning. So like in our first store that opened in Haverhill, I had um, three buildings that we had looked at and locked down and two of the three got knocked out when they reason when they zoned it. Um, you know, and, and the other difficult part is a lot of people, you need to find someone that has a building that owns it outright and doesn't have a mortgage on it hmm. because, you know, it's not legal federally and a lot of banks won't touch cannabis companies. So again, makes it extremely difficult. Like our Boston, uh, location is you know it took us a long time to find someone who owns a whole building in boston that's actually a good location you know and you tend to go into neighborhoods where they're a little bit not as good they might be more industrial more so than commercial um you know uh you might be in a building that's not a perfect fit for for retail but it's the only one that's in that area you know so Mm -hmm. our customers tend to search us out more so than stumble upon us. If that makes sense. Sure. Um, sure. You know, and, and again, like I said, the, the, just the whole process itself was new to the state. They were kind of defining it slash changing it as you're going through it. You know, it says once you submit an application, you had 90 days to get uh, a decision. And what they didn't tell you was they would take six to eight months to potentially a year before they marked your application complete then the 90 day clock starts. Mm. So you would sit on like our Haverhill facility um, and our Ainsbury facilities. We had leases on those starting in 2018 and we didn't actually open until, you know, almost two years later um, while we went through that whole permitting process and all that stuff. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's definitely um, an eye opener. If you think you're going to get in there and just nor- use your normal business means and methods, like, for example, paychecks wouldn't let us use paychecks because we're a cannabis business. Uh, one of our mechanical contractors couldn't work with us because obviously we're a cannabis con- business. So um, insurance, typical insurance was almost two or three times as much because they had to set up a separate program to set it up. Our bank account for our business costs $6,000 a month. Um, to have it at a, a, a credit union where if I had a normal business, it would be like 50 bucks a month. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot to unravel when you step into this industry. Yeah, no doubt about that. And that's just a, a great bit of overview there for, for some of the, I guess, recurring themes for operators entering this space. And of course, entering the space is one thing, uh, staying in the industry is, is kind of a whole other thing. Uh, you know, what's it been like 
sort of being at the steering wheel of a of a retail operation. And I mean, I know there's there's more to it than just the retail operation, but but zooming into being a retailer in Massachusetts, I know you mentioned folks tend to be seeking you out rather than stumbling on you. What are some of the, I guess, lessons you've learned um, about putting putting your retail storefront out there and, and building that consumer base? Um, so from a retail standpoint, the first thing a lot of retailers need to learn is about the 280E tax uh, compliance, mm-hmm. uh, which basically means you can't write off rent, you can't write off utilities, you can't write off employee salaries. You can only write off your cost of goods sold. So that right out of the gate is what's different from a business standpoint. Um, so when you would normally, you know, make a margin of 15 to 20%, it's, it's a lot lower uh, because of the fact that you can't write off an employee salary. You have to pay taxes on it. So if you pay an employee hundred grand and you know, their tax rate, your tax rate for the company is 25%, uh, then you're paying 25 thousand dollars for that having that employee there even though it's a typical expense that you would be able to write off at the federal level you can't do that so that's a shocker i think for a lot of retail people when they first open um and the other part of that with the retail side of is it in massachusetts when a lot of the stores opened it was more of a turnstile type um experience it's like you're going into a bank talking to the teller and leaving um and trying to do that in a fast process so that you don't have a ton of lines out the door, um, which doesn't create the great experience that we tend to try and do with our customers. Mm-hmm. From day one, I, I told my team that that's the one thing I didn't like about the stores that were already open was that you really didn't interact with them. You basically told them what you wanted. They gave it to you and left. Um, if you asked questions or wanted to chat with them, you know, they, they would quickly answer your questions and get you moving on because there was a huge line. Um, you know, I told my, our bud tenders that, you know, we need to create the experience, you know, let them come in, let them talk to you. I don't care if you talk to them for a half an hour, you're creating that, that experience, that relationship with that customer so that when they come back, you know them. Like I know a lot of my customers by first name. Because I've spent time in my stores and I interact with them, um, you know, and and create that experience so that, you know, I used to say it's like Cheers. I don't know if you remember that TV show where everybody knows your name. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because the older generation knows it, but the younger generation's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's it's like your local bar that you go to and, and you go in and the bartender knows you. You go back to that bar because you've got a relationship with them. They know what you want to drink. And you're like, this is awesome. You know, you go up, hey, I'll have another. And they're like, yep, I got it. Here you go. Um, and that's how when our customers come in and we've got new products, they they tend to, with the relationships they've built with our, our bud tenders, they tend to rely on their opinion on a lot of things on the new product. And, you know, and, and it's not a matter of them trying to push one product or another. It's knowing your customer and knowing what they like. And they know, hey, I know you like sativas. We got this one here that, you know, it's kind of like the one you got last time, but it's a little different. You want to try it, you know. And to me, that that experience that you create is really what brings your customers back. Um, a lot of that also ties into, like, we do things in our stores. We have uh, Canabar, 
is what we have in our stores, you know, from, from Massachusetts. So we'd like to say cannabis. <laughs> um, <laughs> but all that is, is deli style. We're the only ones in the North Shore of Massachusetts that actually do deli style. Um, and that that's more labor intensive. But again, it creates that experience. They can come in. They can look at the jars of cannabis we have. We can open them up. They can smell them. They can pick the buds they want. So they actually see them rather than coming in and buying a, a prepackaged eighth or whatever it is they're trying to, to, to consume. Um, you know, and they can pay by the weight. It's just like going to a deli in a supermarket. You know, you want to buy a half pound of cheese and half pound of roast beef. Same thing with us. We'll pay, you pay by the weight. You know, um, and again, all about creating that experience when they come into our store. Um, so, so to me, that that's the key thing we focus on on the retail side is the experience and engaging with our customers and creating that relationship so that they're they come back because they like us and they like what we recommend for products. I mean, currently for the right now, we don't actually sell any of our own flour in our stores because our cultivation site's not up and running. So a lot of it is purchased from vendors of ours. Um, you know, which other cultivators throughout the state, which in most cases have stores also. Um, so it's, you know, it's more going to become more of a convenience thing than it is a search and destroy kind of method, which it was when it first opened because there was only a few, you know, and you have these lines that are scared the heck out of every town um, that opens up a cannabis shop because of the traffic that it creates, having to have shuttle buses to bring you in because, the line's too long. Um, now it's obviously a little bit tamer. Um, but, you know, you, you end up creating that environment. You get those customers in. And, and you know, that experience, is, I think, is really what brings us back, brings them back into our stores. Yeah. So. I mean, I think that's that's all just such a critical point, um, especially, I mean, the the contrasting it with like a bank teller it's it's interesting you go to a bank and you know you want to make a deposit and get in and get out or, or whatever it may be but with a dispensary there's so many variables i guess in play um and so much education on the part of uh both the bud tender and, and the, the customer here i'm wondering if we could maybe zoom in a bit to to the veteran population in particular uh you of course being a veteran uh there are veterans in the in the consumer segment of cannabis um and i know you know, everyone's different and, and there's no, you know, not, not to get specific here, but I'm curious in a general way, what do some of those conversations look like with veterans in the dispensary who may be interested in trying cannabis possibly for the first time? So it's, it's interesting because we've got, we've got a, a good amount. Our mandate is to hire 50% of veterans in our business. And, and we've got a lot of veterans in the store, and it's it's kind of funny when you can see them easily relate to each other and talk about, hey, the experience they've had, why they some some of our veterans use cannabis as a medicine uh, to help them with PTSD or other anxiety and things of that nature. Um, and that's the part that I think when you get in a room with other veterans, you always have that same kind of common thread that kind of pulls you together, whether it's you know, you're a Marine or in the Navy or Air Force or Army, um, you know, you served for the country, for our country. And that's that common thread that kind of easily makes that conversation. Like, 
I always, I was in the Navy. I always teased the Marines and, and let them know that the Marines are a department of the Navy. And they all laugh. And I said, the men's department, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's the kind of joking and banter that you have coming through it. But if you think about it from that standpoint, it makes it a lot easier for someone who's never used cannabis before to have that conversation because you've already got that common thread. And that goes a lot. We, we get a, the funny part is we get a lot of middle-aged to older women um, coming into our stores that are for their first time, never tried cannabis in their entire life. And they might be 60 years old and they're almost afraid to come into the store. But when they come in, and that's why I say we like to create that experience, you try and get related to them and, and try to um, educate them in that process. You know, that's, that's a key thing. You know, I've always told people that if you look at our business, most companies, they've got a triangle, CEO, CEOs at the top, and, you know, your, your worker bees are down in a triangle kind of format underneath you. I tell my team it's flipped upside down. Because I don't have a business. Up top is is our bud tenders. They're the customer facing. Without a good bud tender, we have no business um, doing what we're doing. Because if they can't relate with our customers and educate them and help them and create that experience, then it doesn't matter what I do at the top. It's not going to fix it. That's a you know I've always said that you know I come from a service industry itself that. It's your, it's your bud tenders, it's your servers in a restaurant, the bartender in a bar that actually create the relationships to get people to come back in. Because, you know what, they can go 10 minutes down the road, get the same, same cannabis from another shop down the street, but they might not go there because they're, they, they, they don't relate to anybody in that store. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's again coming back to the veterans it's a lot easier for them to come into our stores and talk to us because we are veteran owned one and two there are a lot of veterans that work there um, and it makes it again that 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 common thread is what opens the door to allow people to have that those conversations and learn about product you know last thing you want to do is have someone come in and this is I've seen this a lot I want the highest test in THC and they've never smoked before and they go out and they get one that's tested at 28% and they freak out because it's, they get way too high and it's like, they don't like the experience. And now you've just destroyed a customer. It's very much. And I, I always say this, it's with me and tequila. I had too much tequila one night, got sick and I never would can even smell it to this day. And that's the same experience that people will have, you know, with edibles, especially, um, but also with, you know, chasing that, uh, we call them tack chasers, the high THC, um, and not understanding the, 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 intricate, the intricate part of the flower and how each terpene and, and the entourage effect, you know, affects everybody differently. You know, some people don't like edibles because they don't affect them. Well, their body doesn't, you know, um, work the same way as most people. So it may not affect them as much. Or it may affect them. Two milligrams might be freaking them out. Um, so again, it, it's it's part of that. Just having that common thread to open up and have those conversations with people, and not like you go into a bank, you give them your bank account number. I want to deposit this check. They take it. Boom! You turn around and go. There's not much conversation to have. Um, and you probably wouldn't remember that teller even if you went in every Friday and and made a deposit. 
Um, but now with our stores, it, it's they come in, they come in to actually see our team and to chat to our team. And, and like I said, they know them by name. You know, and some of the guys that have come into my store are contractors that I've said, hey, why don't you come bid on our projects over here? I need you to paint this. I need you to build this wall. You do that for a living. Now you're an electrician. Hey, let, let's pull you in. You, you're a local guy. I'd like to use local contractors. And you establish not only a customer for your store, but now you're, you're actually giving him business uh, in return. And that, that kind of is great when you kind of bring that whole community aspect into it also like we get a lot of people in our stores that come to our stores because of a lot of what we do for veterans and for the communities in which we have our stores you know they would rather shop at our store because we you know we we do a lot of um good things for the community and they see that constantly and they're like wow these guys are all over the place and they're doing things that i wouldn't expect them to do you know, and, it, and it's, yeah. it's crazy how that impacts your store. Yeah, it's it's an incredible part of 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 the cannabis industry, really. And, and I know that, that you guys do a lot of um, not just what you're describing here, but also uh, charitable and philanthropic efforts as well throughout the community and, and throughout the state, really. So I'm curious, um, you know, from your perspective, what is it about cannabis that really encourages that philanthropy in in the business space so so um it's funny because it's one of the things that drew me to this industry was um when you have to get in massachusetts in order to get a hca you have to a host community agreement meaning allowing you to not allowing you to open in this in that town but to give you permission to go through the licensing process in the town and part of that is to donate to a local charity and i i looked at that as there's no businesses in any of these communities that are required to give back. And I'm like, this industry is requiring people to give back to the community. And I'm like, I like that because I've always said, and even with my other businesses, you know, I've always said that, you know, the more you give out, the more you get back. Um, and I kind of look at that as one of the things that we kind of ingrain in the culture of our business and our company is that philanthropic giving back. Um, we come up with creative ways to give back to the community. Like, for example, we have a Snow Angels project that one of our gentlemen started probably three, four years before he started coming to work for us. And he had gotten in a terrible motor, motorcycle accident and had stopped doing the Snow Angels project. And what it was is he worked with the senior center to go during snowstorms and shovel out elderly people and disabled people that didn't have the ability to shovel out their driveways or, or even just their steps off their apartment. Um, so we, he brought that up and saying, Hey, maybe this is something we can do to serve the community. And we jumped right on it. We've got, I think six snowblowers, a plow truck. Now we, we probably have about 80 people every snowstorm that we go out and shovel out. you know, and it's, and that's where I was saying we ingrain that in our culture of what we do. Um, you know, I'm on a board of a, a nonprofit that called Veterans Northeast Outreach, and they they um, they house homeless veterans. You know, I've been on that board for a while, um, and we kind of brought them into what we do, into the cannabis industry. And you know, it was interesting at first they they didn't know if they could actually take our donations because they had a lot of federal grants. 
you know, and it, when you look at a lot of these nonprofits there, they do have federal grants and things of that nature that they don't want to lose the big part of their grant to take a $5,000 donation or something of that nature. Um, you know, and again, that's the, the cannabis industry trying to do good. And because it's not legal federally, you're not able to do as, have as big of an impact as you could have. Um, like, for example, in our stores, most stores, like you go to a coffee shop, they got a tip jar out there. We have charity jars at our stores. Every cash register has a charity jar. And every month we support a local charity with those charity jars. We raise somewhere between eight to $9,000 a month for a local charity. Um, and it's amazing. And I've always said this, and I've taught my kids this, is that when you give somebody a check and they're expecting maybe $500 and it's 9000 you can kind of, the, the reward you get is the look on their face, right? The yeah. tears sometimes that come down their face. And to me, that's more rewarding than anything you can do in, in business is when you give without expecting anything in return, you know, and you see the impact immediately in their face, what they do, their demeanor, everything changes, you know? And, and I think that's, you know, if you think about the pandemic and how everybody's been impacted and, you know, your, your mental health, like for me, like some people go run for their mental health. For me, I go do a charity. I go do something for somebody else because it, it, it actually helps me cope with the stress of running a business. But it also knows that I'm teaches me that tells me that I'm doing good, you know, um, above and beyond just working for a living. You know, you're having an impact, a positive one, you know, on your community and your surrounding environment and the people that you work with, for that matter. You know, and, and the great thing is our bud tenders, everyone always says, well, I want to give the bud tender a tip. Our bud tenders turn to them and say, put it in the tip jar. Because at the end of the year, what I do is I take all the money that we've collected for the charities and I pay that out as a bonus to our bud tenders, basically as a tip for the entire year. So last year we raised, you know, roughly around $100,000 on our tip jars. And, you know, I split that out proportionally based on number of hours but tender works. So our bed tenders now are looking at those charity jars as, hey, that's an organization we need to push to help to support. You know, and it gets them looking at, okay, what other charities can we help? Well, who can we support? And then they know that by doing good, they're going to receive a benefit, you know, and it's a good way to kind of create that culture of giving back to the community that we're in. Yeah. I, I love that idea. It's sort of a, a full circle idea and it, it's such a simple way of generating a really outsized impact on, on the local community. Um, that, that's, that's fantastic. Um, well, I know, uh, Earlier in the conversation, you mentioned cultivation briefly, but I, I did want to ask um, what's coming up in, in the near future here for, for the business that we should keep an eye out for. What's next for CNA stores? That's a great question. Um, currently building out our cultivation site, which should be up first quarter of next year, and our Boston retail, uh, third Boston retail location for us. But I think one of the cool projects is um, taking uh, working with one of the local universities to come up with a 
taking our waste stems and stalks from from our plants to create a biodegradable type packing solution, whether it be a plastic containers or cardboard boxes to package and sell our products in. So um, definitely going to be a game changer when it starts looking into this industry and waste and things of that nature. So that's what's next for us. And that's a wrap on another episode of Beyond the Show. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Rob DeFazio from CNA Stores up in Massachusetts. I know I did. It's always nice to get a chance to dive into to one state or another, and, and certainly Massachusetts has plenty of interesting material to get into, along with the veteran patient populations. You know, we've written a couple of recent features on veteran access to medical cannabis over at Cannabis Business Times. You can read that at CannabisBusinessTimes.com, of course. So it's great to get a chance to get Rob's perspective on that population and the role that dispensaries can play in either expanding access or raising awareness or or just in, in general promoting the beneficial aspects of the cannabis industry for that particular patient population. Anyway, of course, it is mid-September. If you're listening when this episode drops, we've got plenty more fantastic stuff coming out this fall, as well as the very early days of planning for Cannabis Conference 2023. Yes, of course, Cannabis Conference 2022 just happened in late August, and we're still sort of gathering ourselves and taking stock of, of how that went. Any feedback that you'd like to provide, feel free to reach out on social media, any of the Cannabis Business Times accounts. Uh, LinkedIn is, is usually a, a good bet for getting in touch with us. But of course, Cannabis Conference 2023 is not that far away. We're going to be back at the Paris, Las Vegas, August 15th to the 17th in 2023. So stay tuned for more information. We'll be dropping plenty of interviews that relate to that show here on Beyond the Show. <laughs>